0: Well, welcome back, everyone. So,
1: okay. So now we're going to, uh, I want to start with um, giving you an overview of where we are going. Um, Kim, so where are these people? Where am I looking?
0: Oh, look at the screen. Laptop. Okay.
1: sorry. I just met there's so many options to look. I don't know where to look. I should go and move you guys this way.
2: Such a complicated question. Where are they? That's why we came to the end. Okay. so all
1: right, now I've located this. Okay. so um, anyway, welcome back. Really so glad to have all of you today and uh, for this next couple of days. So um, what what I'd like to do in the next four days is um, have this, an ex, it's, it's a journey, it's a journey into the exploration of light. What does that mean um, in the Buddhist context? So obviously this is by no means comprehensive study. We have only four days, so that's not much time. But it's just a taste actually from three um, uh, interrelated Zen masters. And um, we'll be looking at them and we'll start with excerpts from... (laughs) Okay, I can talk loud. Maybe. Tadagiri Roshi, um, from of the teachings from the Buddha himself. actually, that's right, right. Um, and also um, um, Oh, Doga, I'm going to forget. Uh, so uh, those are the three main ones and uh, so over the three days, the first three days we'll be talking about what those guys have to say about like and other things. And then on the fourth day um, we'll be looking at um, about what we think, how do we interpret our practice, and what does it look like, and how does it relate to life. So that that's it uh, overall. So um, just to give you a little bit, so David, uh Katagiri Roshi is talking about. I'm, I use the book primarily. Uh, the light that shines to infinity, so So I'll we'll be talking about his, some of his definitions and some of the things that he talks about in there. And um, so we'll get a sense of what this dynamic energy, original energy is, life energy, uh, which is present throughout the universe and in which it creates and sustains our lives. Because it constantly is flowing and unfolding. So we'll get an idea of, of that. And um, on Friday we'll be continuing on with the Buddha's last um, teaching entitled Be a Light to yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a very pretty well known one. Um, and then we'll look at a couple of people that have written uh, have written about that particular teaching, so we'll look at that. And then um, on Saturday, we'll go to, uh, I think all roads lead to Dogen, and uh, so we'll be looking at Dogen, and specifically his teachings on Zazen, and well, we'll be looking at the uh, Fukan Zazen tree, which we read this morning. It's a long piece, but it pretty well covers covers a lot of stuff, so and we'll be looking at that. Um, and then finally, as I said, we'll be discussing our um, own, uh, how we experience our practice and negotiation, and how the light, light relates to that. So um, so that's the overall view uh, for the next coming days. And then in the afternoons, we'll be doing um, experiential uh, exercises, which is, people have been with me before. No, I do this shifting. So we'll be doing, we us see how that works. Doing some shifting around that so we get a better sense of what, particularly what is talking about, what, what everyone's talking about. They're all coming from the same place. You get an idea of where they're coming from. So that's what you're in for. Uh, so let's start with Dana and Roshi. So, uh, first of all, I, I always like to talk about when people um, existed in the human form, and so we get a kind of an idea of where, where in the world were they at one time. So, uh, was born in 1928 and <coughs> passed in 1990. He is originally from Japan. Uh, he's a Soto Zen teacher and priest. He founded the was the Abbott, founded and was the abbot of the Minnesota Zen Meditation Center in Minneapolis. Uh, that was from 1972 till his death in 1990. He also founded another Zen practice community in Minnesota, the uh, Hokkyoji G Zen Practice Center. Prior to that, he um, well. He studied Buddhist studies, he became a priest, and then he was sent by the Soto headquarters office in Japan to Los Angeles, California to serve as a priest at the Zen Tsuji Soto Zen Mission. So that's how he got to the States. And then in 65, he was sent to Soko-ji, Soto Zen Mission in San Francisco to assist Suzuki uh, uh, Hoshi. And then later he helped out the San Francisco City Center and uh, which shared the building with the SoCology until 1969 and then he from 1969 on well, he worked at Offices and direction So that's kind of his background. <coughs> he authored several books, um, Return to Silence and Each Moment is the universe and then this light that shines through the And it's the last one, as I said, before that I'll we'll be talking about. So, um, this is taken from category, but it says that, you know, the scriptures are all talking about um, turning your delusion into enlightenment, uh, or they want to guide ordinary people into becoming holy people or beings. And, You can reach nirvana by removing delusion, or you can attain wisdom and compassion by eliminating your ego, or you'll become a Buddha by sitting, burning incense, and chanting, Mm -hmm. etc. So those are kind of the the thought that a lot of people have about what their practice is actually
0: about.
1: But as Khadigiri says, as she probably will all know anybody who's been practicing Getting rid of your ego is not not very easy. To remove your desires and your delusions, it's a hard it's hard road. So, it's good to look at what the scriptures are actually actually saying. What do they really say? So, Gavakiri suggests that spiritual practice is actually about aligning ourselves with this ever-present life force that you have its kind of an interesting take. He's got a really unusual take. I mean, in the end, he's, he's, he's to a lot of people, but the way he expresses it is good. Really anyway, um, so Shakyamuni Buddha taught that a magnificent event is unfolding. Right now <laughs> it's true <laughs> in every aspect of your life. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, vivid living energy is constantly at work and creating and supporting our lives, as I said before, and it's it's like a fire a fire that is eternal and, and boundless. So whoever you are, whatever you do, your life is very precious because the original energy of life is working in your life. Now, what is this original energy of life? Uh, says that it's the Buddha. That's interesting. I've never heard that before. Um, so the original energy of life is, is Buddha. And so the Dharma he describes as the great original energy, how it functions, the functioning of this energy. And so the dharma is really hard to talk about and we never really can say exactly what it is with words because it's inconceivable actually to the ordinary mind. Nonetheless, nonetheless it's it's alive within us and we can use this energy to it's what Katagiri says, I think this is a great line: "Burn the flame of your life force in everything you do." So I translate I translate that as this is a lot more poetic. But doing everything that you do, you do it wholeheartedly, no matter what it is. So that's the Dharma. The Dharma. Dharma is the truth. It's it's. it's existence. It's um, its the Buddha way. It's the truth and it, it's its us. It's us. So in doing spiritual practice then is to invoke this life force that's deep within us. To invoke it into our own life and use it to grow our life. And what does that mean to grow our life? So to expand our life in, in, in another way, through the Dharma, it allows to, it gives us more space. When we're growing, growing, we're, we're gaining more space to cultivate wisdom and compassion, love and generosity. So in particular, in Zen, spiritual practice, what we're doing is just sitting. So really it isn't it isn't—it so passive actually. It's sitting based on deepening our intellectual and experiential understanding of our existence, moment to moment. And after studying and, and sitting, You accept that your life is already present in the big scale of everything, the universal scale. So we study the teachings to go deeper into our life, and we discover that our original place is the place where all beings live together in peace before we exist as individual beings. It's just so lovely. Our original place. Place where all beings live together in peace before we exist as individual beings. So from that place, you can join the flow of life, living in harmony with all beings and walking hand in hand. So, if it's not already obvious, I think of that as the place before uh, we exist as individual beings. It's before before we latch on to personality, before we latch onto identity, you know, before we latch on to all that stuff that makes a self. It's before that. <clears throat> so we sit in Zazen and we sit completely in peace and harmony with others. and We practice to carry the same energy out into the world, this dynamic original energy. And this is the guideline for Buddhist practice and study. So people from any religion can have practice this same thing. It's really just a matter when one becomes aware of this magnificent energy of being that rises in your body and mind, and one feels alive. And you feel boundless and broad, compassionate and kind. And this is a guideline for living as a human being. So I'll go back to the terms. So category, the term Buddha is understood as the original energy of life, the life force, original energy. Dharma is understood as truth of the ultimate principle of existence, that is the functioning of the Buddha way. So this original energy of life constantly flows and is working all the time in our lives every day. And I also I see that too as the idea of life as it is. That's this energy, you know? We don't like how things go sometimes. <laughs> A lot of times. Um, but you can see it as it's life doing its own thing. It's this original energy that's moving, moving through everything. It's, it's, that's what's happening. It's doing its thing. So, so this, this means, um, so this is, as I said before, Dharma is us because we contain, you know, we're We have that energy, so therefore we're the Buddha. Um, And so it means that the form of our life is identical with with the original energy. So the truth is you, the truth is your real self. And so so depending on, you can depend on yourself is to depend on the Dharma. And this is very important because that means that the Dharma is not separate from human life. We're not trying to, this isn't a perfection project, a spiritual practice. It's based in our human life as we are in our humanness. So practice is a way of life based on the fact that truth is already alive in our lives and we can depend on it. And so we touch the core of our lives and discover a life worth living. Again, it's a natural state of your life before any thoughts or ideas arise. This is real truth. This is the realization of reality. I talked about that a couple of, well, a week ago, almost two weeks ago, um, in, a, in the inquiry about having the direct experience of, of reality. And this all figures in that. <clears throat> So you directly experience pure energy as the core of your being and you realize that you can always depend on it. And uh, if you depend on Dharma, the Buddha's way, pure energy will arise and appear in your everyday life. It will illuminate your life because the original energy as Buddha is alive within you. So, and this is where the light comes in. That energy gives forth its own light, mm-hmm. shining from your whole body, which others can see. So there's a quote here by a kind of telling people. So relax your frontal lobe. No, relax your mind. <laughs> Calm your mind and practice dwelling peacefully with the Dharma that is working deeply in your own life. It's already doing it. So, there's a question. What is everybody's life? And this actually goes back to Dogen. Dogen talks about this, but Ken talks about it too. Um, Everybody's life, according according to Dogen, it could be anything. So, um, he starts with your nose. Your nose. (laughs) It's your light. It's anything in your life is considered your light. It's just part of it. It's like your life is, your light is is everything that's associated with you. It's it's anything. So it could be, as I say, your nose. It could be your house, your job, your body, your routine schedule. Because that's all part of it. It's the expansion of what we are. We're not just what we ordinarily think of. I'm just this person, and I think this, and I eat this, you know, it's how you move into the world, what all the connections that you have. Um, Because light is the original nature of your life. It's just so important to to think about it that way. And everyone has that, everyone has that light. And it's important to, to um, understand that light is already within us. And that—I was talking about your own light earlier, which was a wrong statement, actually. Um, I mentioned it the first thing. Um, it's like the light is contained with us, within us, all around us. Um, and we don't feel it. We don't know that we have it. Why? Because we're hiding from it, you know? we. We hide from who we are. We hide from our shame. We hide from our fear. We separate. It shuts down the light. Shuts down the light when we do that. So this practice, the spiritual practice, is about us working with things to let go. To let go of all the things that we seem to be afraid of, you know, it takes time, we don't do this in a day, obviously, but working with things to, to let go. So it's hard to know what is, what it is, this light, but it's nothing but energy, motion, or dynamic functioning. And if you try to conceptualize it, it looks dim and dark because your original nature can't see it that way. You can't be conceptualized. So, in order to understand it, you have to cut off the knowing and seeing, knowing and seeing, and forget gain and loss, and become perfect, purified, naked, and perfectly at ease. And every, each and every one of us must investigate his or her own life, That's just to study that, just. But for the time being, just be the functioning of your light right now without attaching to it. So it's just um, Suzuki Roshi <clears throat> uh, talked about how sometimes when say uh, we're carrying something and, uh, and all of a sudden it drops, breaks. Um, so we have an opinion about that a lot of times. Ah, why did I do that? So stupid. And he says this that when we do that kind of thing, um, we cut off, we shut things down. In this case, we're cutting off the light when we we've gone back to self. You know, come back to self to to criticize and and uh, it's really easy to do that stuff, but it it cuts off the logic. And so. Um, it's just a, a new practice to kind of let that stuff go. And Suzuki Roshi says just, you know, it broke.
0: Keep on going. Just keep on going. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Okay.
1: So we can practice hard. But always remember <clears throat> that a spiritual being is something you can find right now. And it's right here. And it's in each of us. All spiritual beings we know have light. Life. And that light is our great human capacity. Beyond your human in speculation, you are already great because of whatever you may do. Whenever, wherever you may be, where the light is working for you. <clears throat> this is called the light of self. <clears throat> the whole world in the ten directions is the light of self. So, you, this is a, again Dogen, which is an expansive. It's an expansive way of looking at things. But you and the whole world were born together. That's kind of the idea. When you come online, everything is born. And so you're connected to everything, the causes and conditions of that moment that you were born. So you were born, again, another Dobin statement uh, or metaphor. You are born simultaneous with mountains, rivers, and the whole universe. And through the function of independent co Mountains, although we think mountains are steady things, they're hard. They don't move. They don't move much. But in actuality, they're constantly changing. They're in the process of birth. If you understand mountains that way, you understand that your life is simultaneously there. Think about a mountain and Everything that's on a mountain and everything that's breaking down and feeding other creatures, you know, from logs, to trees, to branches, to the whole universe there. And day by day, moment by moment, your life exactly coexists with mountains and rivers. You can't be separated. This is actually your everyday life. In the deeper sense, everyday life is the great source of the flow of life energy. Digesting everything and producing new life. The gate of this everydayness is opening and closing at the moment. The gates of myriad, myriad beings are opening and closing at the moment. This is a continuous stream of life energy and it's called continuous practice. And in the realm of continuous practice, there is a great opportunity. You can see the universe coming up as one whole, like a television. But the screen is the self. Your true self is not separated from others. It is interconnected and constantly working with others in the huge universe. The functioning of the whole world is the light of the self. Because light is working from moment to moment, The whole world constantly manifests itself as the human world. At the time, the whole world is within the light of the self. So accept your life is the whole world and take good care of yourself. And realize that yourself is the whole world.
0: So we take care of the whole world.
1: Your life is moving with the whole universe. You don't notice it until you dance wholeheartedly. You can feel the energy coming up, And when you act with sincerity and a warm heart, there is a great opportunity, a very subtle opportunity, to invite the whole world into your life. If you act with the whole world, light appears in your everyday life. Then your compassion is transmitted to some somebody else.
0: Thank you. Um, Any questions? Yeah. Uh, Let me see how I frame this. So just as we speak of in our practice of not to on an individual level. What your talk points to is a a sense I've had, and that science is actually purring up, and that we are not two in, in terms of anything else that exists, not limited to the world, but to the cosmos, all of and, and again, not to get into the detail of it, I heard this phenomenal talk last night that mm. um, you and I may talk about in practice today. <laughs> oh boy. And so it's a not two on two levels, is what I'm hearing, both in what you're saying, that we are, in addition to dependent coexisting and co arising. And not to in ourselves, there's it's, it's like a three dimensional chess game, it's also a like not to on a cosmic level. Mm-hmm. Is that all consistent with Buddhist practice? Jay, whereas I don't see why it would be, why it would or wouldn't. Well, I can't see why it wouldn't be consistent. An answer, right? hmm. yeah' I don't, I don't either Lord but I wondered if maybe I was having you um, constructed limited thinking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so if it is this three-dimensional dance all of these not twos then how amazing <laughs> I, I mean truly, the cosmic light, the worldly our internal light, dancing with all of those energies at all times and yet dancing with us. Yeah. I don't see that as inconsistent.
1: It's hard for a human brain to hold
0: that at once. A light for human spirit. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So you said that uh, we are light and when we act with compassion, we're giving our light to others.
1: Well, um, we're transmitting the light. Right?
0: Yeah, transmitting light to others. But the other is also light, right? That's right. So then...
1: Thing is, not everyone is connected with their light. Like I was saying,
0: they're closed down. So when I'm transmitting light to someone else, then it it opens their capacity for their own light. Yeah. Just think of it when you
1: have an interna- interaction with someone you're really connecting. It has an impact on you, you know.
0: Yeah,
1: and you naturally relax. You drop some of the protections that we have. You're right? really connected.
0: So then you're dropping into your own light. Into but your you're own light. using the beams from. Like a yeah, particle. to be able to to let go. Yeah. yeah okay.
2: Oh, Marla, I'll get you next after. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, two things. <laughs> One is, um last night, Gene, we read about the difference between looking in a mirror and looking at the reflection. And yeah, I thought that was a beautiful distinction. You know, that what we're
0: to do to create light is to look in the reflection. But the other thing is,
2: as you were reading, I was thinking, being a buddhist is not something you can choose but something you are and that all people are mm. in the sense that they're buddha uh-huh. you're, you're not talking about something's no, no, that no. people can choose to do this or not no so uh
1: no in fact yeah a you know it doesn't matter what you can be a non-religious
0: whatever doesn't it doesn't matter you're right yeah that's, i'm glad you asked that
2: is there
0: something else? No, that's for the two
3: things. Okay. Marla, so um, Kadagiri Roshi uh, talked about a place where we live in peace and harmony with others um, before we become individual beings, and where we discover our own personalities and such. And this is a new one for me. And it, what it kind of sounds like it's green room before we enter the universe or something where we're waiting is that is where does that come from is that part of buddhist theology it's almost like i mean if to the extreme if i were catholic it would sound sort of like you know the opposite of purgatory but you know what I, I don't know if you know, if you know what i'm talking about is there a you know what is this place where before we become
0: yeah yeah
2: I don't know, I wasn't doing it before,
0: um, I'll try again. It's not doing it now. Yeah, it's really.
2: Um,
1: I I look at that when he says before you're a human being, I see that um my way of looking at it, and um, maybe I'm missing something, but that's entirely possible. But it's it's more like it's the place. um, uh, As a human being, what a human being is is consists of, as opposed to like this, like um, being the Buddha. If I'm say it that way, Um, is that the, the human has. As I said, they're, they're shading themselves from the light. How do they do that? It's because they create an identity that they attach to. It's the attachment that's a problem. We make ourselves into these things conceptually, right? We're conceptualizing everything. And so I am, you know, I am a teacher. What does that mean? So all of a sudden that puts me in a box, but you don't know me any better by saying that, right? It's just a category, empty category. So, but we live. Day to day, within these constructs of identity, you know, of I'm a mother, I'm a daughter, I'm a, you know, that kind of stuff. So, so that's where we live generally, and have conversations about, it and so forth and so on. As opposed to releasing all of that, getting beyond that, and seeing, seeing each other as Buddhas. You know, is something much, much, much more in depth and much more, you know, much beyond kind of the paper cutout that we normally are or act in that realm. Does that make sense? So it's when I think before, it's before you form up, like like with the, the Suzuki Roshi example of dropping something. So you're walking along. You know, you're doing your practice, you're, you know, doing helpful things and in a way that's spontaneous and blah, blah, blah. And then you drop something. And when at the moment you drop, you have dropped back into your identity and started, you know, criticizing or, you know, this kind of thing. So then you're back in the individual realm. You've separated from the rest of the world. So that's how I understand it.
3: Okay. And I was probably typically being too literal and thinking that it was like prior to something else happening, that there was this peaceful place where everyone coexists. And so what I'm hearing you say is that this is a continuous process as we attach and unattach from our identities throughout. That's exactly, that's okay, exactly. thank you. And I think it comes and
1: goes. You know what I mean? I don't think it's, a oh, now I'm here or forever, you know you know you have glimpses of that for you are really connected with the universe and then you turn and it's
3: gone that makes perfect sense yeah thank you all right thank you and we have Lisa
0: Lisa hi
4: hi so um Human lives are precious and we're grateful for born, being born into a human form. And part of the reason I think is because we have choice and awareness. And as I'm talking, I'm thinking, oh, about something I heard decades ago, um, that a wonderful, Um, teacher stated, and he said, you know, humans have consciousness, you know, can a bee step back and enjoy look at a hive and enjoy its creation? And so part of what I started thinking was about all sentient beings and all sentient beings and all living beings are Buddha. Is that true or not? And wouldn't it be a terrific advantage to not have um, a prefrontal lobe or to not have (laughs) you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, Well, we're at a disadvantage in a way. I mean, if we didn't have these particular cognitive abilities, um, we wouldn't Get into so much trouble. I mean, animals can be conditioned. Okay, now I'm thinking this through. Animals can be conditioned, but it's like, well, they don't have the ability to see their conditioning, do they? And they don't have the ability to transcend it. So I'm off on kind of a meander here. <laughs> what I was thinking was, oh, what must it? Be like to not have, you know. It's like oh, not having a poseable phone. So what if we didn't have this big brain?
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Just take that where you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the the point is,
1: well, we do have a big brain, and <laughs> so we do get into trouble, and we can we can work with that, you know. I, again, I don't think it's a hundred it's percent fix for for everybody. I think it's more of an up and down sort of thing. Um, you learn something and then you kind of forget and then you come back and you remember and then you, you know, kind of like that. But I, I always understood that the the uh, benefit of being human was a human could escape the the um, the suffering of of coming back and being reincarnated they could make choices in their life that could prevent that from happening of course from the old scriptures you know it's about learning how learning about suffering and how to leave suffering in others
4: that's helpful you know from that framework but it works better if you truly believe in reincarnation or but it's good enough to believe in reincarnation in this life too
1: well that's right i was just going to say that the reincarnation issue is kind of it's so interesting the traditional ways of, of looking at it is you know you come back in a, in a lifetime another lifetime as an animal or something you know based on how you behaved your, your comportment and your life prior but in actuality science is proving so much of this that we are constantly created recreated or reconformed i don't know in minutes or seconds you know con- considering the fact that cells are remade I don't know how fast, numbers don't stick to me very well, but anyway, in a very short period of time, and so you know, you think about that and then you think about all the causes and conditions that are working on us all the time, you know, between those, you know, just the physical aspect and then everything else, there is
0: uh, recreation all the time.
4: Well, So we're constantly regenerating ourselves and we have that ability and it's like, oh, and part of that ability is, you know, making choices and aware of what causes our suffering. And that could extend as I'm thinking about regenerating ourselves and regenerating our brains through neuroplasticity, um, you know, we also have some choices about how we use our bodies, whether we exercise, I mean, if we have that privilege and what we eat, and that also has a regenerative effect. I mean, in every organ of our body, and then the interactions we choose. I don't know, maybe that's taking, maybe that's getting like to you know, to waffly, but it's kind of appealing to me that like <laughs> that I'm constantly renewing myself in that way by as an embodied experience. Yeah. By the experiences I embody myself in too, and the experiences I am em- wholeheartedly immerse myself in. And each one leads to a new um a new path. That's, you know, it's infinite. Because each, each choice lead, or each action, oh well, karma, what the heck? <laughs> That's right. Okay, thank you. Thank
0: you. Okay, Dan. Uh
2: two things popped up for me. One was um, thinking about that Suzuki Roshi quote, I think you said it was Suzuki Roshi, about dropping something. Yeah. And how, I was just thinking about zazen and how like focusing on your breath and you're embodying it. And um, for me, it's like really feeling those feelings. And then when a thought comes along, that's like when you drop something. And for me, it's just so easy to then, oh, like, not necessarily worry about what I dropped, but just continue like going towards that. Um and so then it's like, I guess the metaphor would be like, okay, instead of worrying about what you dropped or continuing that that thought story, to, like come back to right now and, and moving forward. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think if I can interrupt you that like that, yeah. that I think as much as anything, that when the thing is dropped, it may be but it's a distraction.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: And and it, so it's the whole thing about how long are you going to be distracted? Exactly. You know, yeah. When do you want to come back? Yeah. And sometimes you know, just keep going. Yeah.
0: Getting distracted. And as much as I get distracted in Zaza, and man, I get—I mean—even more distracted in daily life.
2: Like it's just nonstop. It's <laughs> <laughs> so easy.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, our whole culture is based on that. Yeah. It's
2: yeah.
1: distracting us all the time.
2: And then the other thing was kind of related to what you were saying, Gene, uh, asking about um, like transmitting light. I was listening to a, a podcast, and it was a scientist who had done some research with the Dalai Lama in the '90s. So it was like one of the first uh, people who had who had kind
0: of bridged that gap of um, researching the Dalai Lama. And, and he was saying that when he when he was going to meet him, he was
2: sitting in this room waiting for him. Um, the scientist was, and he was basically having uh, anxiety, like panic attack, just so worried about what he was gonna ask and and what the interaction was gonna be like. Um, and right when the Dalai Lama walked in, like he said he felt more at peace than he's ever felt before. And all of that stuff just drifted away. And he said, the way the Dalai Lama was just like brought ease to his whole being.
0: Um, and so that's kind of an example of like how how um, I guess light can be transferred. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think that's a really good. One. Thank you. Yeah, well done. I have a follow-up question to Marla's because a light bulb seems to have gone off for her, and I'm like, I want that light bulb, <laughs> and, and I didn't get it. And so Marla was asking, where is this place? Mm-hmm. And I immediately wondered, and I and I don't know why, I, I, and I don't want to get philosophical because philosophy really has nothing to do with Buddhism. Um, but I wondered if if that place is possibly, if I understand, Indras Net. Indras Net, as I understand and correct me if I'm wrong, is a place of connecting with the energy of all beings, past, present, and future, time is a construct. Mm-hmm. And so if we limit our thinking to human beings, to those which are physically born through the birthing process as of today, we're leaving a whole bunch of folks off of Andrew's net. Yeah. And so I just wonder if, if Kanagiri, how do you say the name? Katagiri. Katagiri was well, somehow relating to that place. A connection with, without the construct of time which we create, mm-hmm. um, understanding that all is existing. I, I'm sure of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so the light bulb goes off when I listen to his words about there's this place we all hang out. I'm like, yeah, it's Andrew Snack.
1: Yeah. It. I mean, it's not a physical. No, no, no. no. Absolutely. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Yeah
0: okay no, that's that's
1: good yeah thank you it's it's talking about yeah
0: where your mind is yeah that's so expensive okay um hi so really quickly
5: so i had an actual experience of a snafu this morning so um yeah
0: and (laughs) um
5: and this is how I handled it. Um, so Lynn was up for practice discussion. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> So uh got her in the room and uh, Lori was um, studying or whatever. And so, um, uh, you know, I I had the ability to message her when she was in the room to say, you know, if she comes in a few minutes, fine, but if she doesn't just come back to the main room, but she wasn't coming back. Right. So, um, I'm like worried about Lynn, you know, so I joined the room and she's like meditating she's like really she's got her eyes closed. So, so I was gonna leave, you know, but then she opened her eyes and I spoke to her and I said, you know, I'm sorry, you know, just come back because then we were in Kinhen. So, you know, she says it's okay, she comes back. So I'm doing Kinhin and I'm like, oh, you know, I should have just left her. She was like in her, but that the lovely thing is that lasted for like 30 seconds. And um, what I remembered was something that um, Peg wrote about when she had, she had a practice discussion with someone. She was really discouraged, Peg was, and thought, you know, I, I, I can't offer anything. That, so that she had that thought. And then she said to herself, well, no, no disparaging Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. No disparaging so I remembered that and I said you did what you did and have your have your blessing in every step in Kenhen that's where you are right now
1: that's really great it's really great it's a great thing mm-hmm.
0: thank you and
1: Lynn I apologize <laughs> I got lost on the wrong sheet I was on an old um, practice discussion <laughs> sheet. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, can I see you this afternoon <laughs> if you're going to be here? So I'll send you a note. Okay. All right.
0: So I think we're done. Thank you all.